Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are back on the World Soccer Talk podcast. It's been a couple of weeks. Um, last week we had the interview with John Champion, which went very well. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, but now we're back with Kartik. Kartik, uh, you've been away. <laughs> you didn't tell anyone, but you've been away. Uh, you wrote about it at Beyond the, the 90, uh, your Substack uh, account. And uh, what was the journey like to Turkey? Why go to Turkey? And what was that experience like? Yeah, it was a really kind of a history field trip, if you want to call it that. Roman history, uh, Byzantine history, Eastern Roman history, which I'm really into. I mean, I consider myself on that kind of niche topic, maybe one of the most informed people in the United States on uh, the Eastern Roman Empire, uh, which we call, historians call the Byzantine Empire, but they always consider themselves Romans. And then uh, the Ottoman Empire, which I've got a, I've had a passing interest in for years. So um, uh, Constantinople, Istanbul is the place to go to explore that. So I spent 10 days out there, uh, was expecting to decompress from all of the uh, 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 American politics and business and, and soccer, quite uh, honestly, but um, learned, and this is something I know. I mean, Liverpool fans have told me this based on 2005, and I thought maybe it's just a lot of romanticism because of that match and coming back from three goals down against Milan. Uh, but Liverpool fans have told me for years, like, Istanbul's the best place, right? Istanbul is, is football. It's like the Liverpool of the East um, in that sense. And uh, yeah, outside of Liverpool and Hamburg, uh, well, actually at the same level of, as Liverpool and Hamburg, I would say uh, it's the best football place I've been. Now, um, in terms of club football and passion and uh, you know, the man and woman on the street being uh, uh, wanting to talk about football in an educated fashion and, and regularly. Now, I will preface that I should make a caveat on that, which is I have never been to Sao Paulo. I have never been to Buenos Aires. So mm -hmm. those are two places that I, at least my perception is they're, um, they're, they're football men. They're football crazy. Montevideo also probably, right? The three, three really big cities in, uh, in Rio, right? The, the big cities in, in Argentina, Uruguay and, um, and Brazil. But in terms of Europe, I would put, um, Put Istanbul up there with Valencia, um, Naples, Napoli, uh, Liverpool, and Hamburg as the best places I've been for football. Now, 
those are all much smaller places than Istanbul, right? Istanbul is basically like a London or a or a Paris in terms of its size and in terms of its importance. So uh, it's really kind of the most remarkable football place I've been, uh, Chris. I mean, I, I I I think we've always known Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, Besiktas, they're big, but I mean, I just didn't realize the scale of it until I'm on the ground uh, for ten days while matches are going on, including a big Champions League match uh, there. And it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, what what a place for football. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was thinking, okay, if I was like you, Connor, taking, I wanted to take a break from soccer for a while. Uh, I mean, kind of get into some of my other hobbies or passions, uh, but also try to escape American politics. It's hard because then I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll go to Utah or North Dakota but then American politics are going to be right in front of your face in terms right. of day to day. So like, like where in the world can you go where mostly the Premier League, right, isn't kind of permeating that landscape, that country where people are watching it in, in large amounts. And even if you go to South America, you'll see a lot, a lot of people watching the Premier League or, of course, I mean, local soccer or, or uh, Copa Libertadores. Um, maybe Australia, but I mean, obviously the time difference, I mean, but still such a globalized world it's almost like you'd have to go i don't know into into the amazon or something into the jungle to try to escape but and take a break if, if you need to do need a break yeah so the the thing that was significant i think about other leagues in turkey is premier league is very big not a surprise and when you go to shops they're selling liverpool stuff and man city stuff uh the saudi league is on there um which is uh uh, not surprising, given kind of ge- geographic proximity. Premier League is big, as I said. Bundesliga is pretty big, which makes sense when you consider kind of the just all the ties between Turkey and Germany, going back uh, to the Berlin-Baghdad Railroad, one of my uh, historical studies while I was there. Serie A and La Liga are basically invisible. And that's hmm. something that I didn't expect. Um, and again, it shows in a place with very little ties real logical ties to the UK, the Premier League, and probably more ties to Italy, not not many ties to Spain, in fairness, but in just kind of a neutral place, uh, taking the Bundesliga out of it. The Bundesliga being popular in, Germ- in Turkey makes sense. Um, the Premier League just trumps those two leagues, just runs away from those two leagues. And, um, you know, I even, when I try to engage in conversations about La Liga with people and tell them, you know, you really should watch uh, El Clasico. It's coming up this Ah, it's a two-team league. Ah, one of those two teams always wins, which is not actually true. Mm-hmm. But that's the perception in Turkey. Um, mm-hmm. And they were telling me, making the argument for their league, that they, they look, you, you may think in, in U.S. it's only these three big Istanbul clubs, but we had Besiktas win the league or, or uh, make Champions League a few years ago. We had... Uh, uh, Tra- Trapa Zone Sport, uh, they, yep. they won the league. Um, they're still very good. And so uh, we're more competitive than Spain. And then in terms of Italy, it was just like, oh, well, you know, their atmospheres are terrible. There, there was just no interest in Serie A. Yeah, I, I do find it very interesting when, when I travel to, um, I've gone to Honduras, gone to, I mean, all, all the way around the world, but, but different countries and to see how soccer crazy they are, but also what shirts they're wearing in the streets, you know, what, what, what they're watching on TV, what posters do you see? Um, and it, it, the Premier League definitely, definitely is, I mean, very, very big. For me in Honduras, it was mostly Barcelona or Real Madrid shirts. Mm, that makes it, sense. All the adults were wearing it too. But, um, but speaking of the Premier League too, I mean, we, this is, we're recording this uh, shortly after the, uh, the Manchester derby. Karting, honestly, 
I think I fell asleep in the second half. I mean, Manchester United, honestly, were terrible. Um, I mean, that goes back to Manchester City and, and a point that you, you added in your notes about NBC's coverage. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about the derby. I mean, you being a Manchester City fan, but also talking about some of the coverage, um, which I've got some thoughts on too, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, but of course, the match was on Peacock, um, which is... Uh... Uh, for starters, you know, that was kind of nice in, uh, in in Turkey that uh, the Premier League matches, I, I was able to find the, the Merseyside Derby without having to worry about streaming. Um, I, I, I guess that game was probably on USA here, but maybe it was on uh, on Peacock. But um, the other the other thing that was significant for me about the coverage was there were just kind of these lazy bits of analysis, pieces of analysis from the two Robbies uh, pre-match. It was very, very standard, uh, very kind of predictable halftime. It was, ah, eh, the penalty decision, I think, was very controversial. And I, and, I, and Musto did get his analysis of that right. But otherwise, not seeing much about the tactics and, and, and how the, the match was progressing. And then after the match, uh, Robbie Earl um, said that now it's very predictable, the Manchester Derby. When Ferguson was the manager, Manchester United always won. And that wasn't the case, right? I, there were three successive seasons under Kevin Keegan where City beat uh, beat Manchester United in one of the two meetings by more than two goals, two goals or more, 3-1, 3-1, 4-1. Um, and then swept, uh, did the double over Man United uh, in the year United won the Champions League, 2007-2008 under Sven-Joran Eriksson. And that now there's always only just one uh, winner and it's Manchester City. Well, that's absolutely not true. Last The last meeting in the Premier League, United won. And under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the only wins for Pep were the first match, which is right after Solskjaer took over and when uh, there was an epic title race with Liverpool, and then the last match, right before Solskjaer got fired. There were two seasons in a row where City could not beat United. Um, and it uh, was a very frustrating time for me as a City fan in the Derby. Yes, United was finishing fifth or sixth or whatever. I think one of those years they may have finished third, actually. But um, whatever they were finishing in the league, they were still beating us. So. Um, the anal- and these are very recent games that NBC covered. So I was kind of shocked by that uh, bit of analysis and then uh, really well, got, um, got nothing else in the studio from them. So uh, after the match, it, it's, uh, it's frustrating because NBC's production is so good. Uh, I think Rebecca Lowe as a host is, is top drawer. Um, and I hear the Robbies do some good analysis when they're on their own podcast. But in the NBC studio, we get these kind of really predictable bits unless you get a Tim Howard in there or a Danny Higginbotham or when we've had the treat of Stephen Warnock. I, I know Phil Neville, uh, you had the weekend I was in Turkey. So I'm looking forward to, I have those on DVR. I'm looking forward to going back and watching those. But um, you almost can't pair the two of them together because it becomes really stale and predictable. Yeah, so the weekend that you missed, which was the one with Phil Neville, that one was the one I had an issue with. And yeah. that weekend, uh, unfortunately, Bobby Charlton passed away. I mean, a legend in the game. From people I've spoken to who have met him, they've always said that Bobby Charlton was just so down to earth, so kind, so humble, really, really like, like yeah, a true. Yeah, I've met him, so I, I concur with that 100%. So continue. So on that weekend, so Phil Neville on the commentary, and then a couple of times, I. First of all, I heard Rebecca say something. I'm like about Bobby Charlton. I'm like, wait a second, did she just say what I thought she said? And then later in the broadcast or, or the next day, I think it was the next day on, on the Sunday, she said the same exact thing again. 
which she kept on saying was that Bobby Charlton was a one-team man, that that he had only been at Manchester United, he had stayed with Manchester United, and that was it. Now, we all think in our minds as Bobby Charlton as Manchester United through and through, but what Rebecca didn't realize, and a lot of people would know, is that Bobby Charlton went on to manage at Preston North End as a player manager for, I think, two to three seasons, then he went to Australia and actually joined, uh, I think, three different teams in Australia and was pivotal in really kind of building professional soccer in Australia. So had some managerial experience in Australia, not much, and, and some playing experience right at the end of his career. But Preston North Ends, I mean, he, he was there for a few years, player manager. So it wasn't like a, a one-person club. Now, we think of him that way. Going back to what you said, Kartik, about Manchester City and Manchester United, in my mind, if I had to spontaneously say, okay, hey, I mean, it seems like Manchester City keeps on winning all of these derbies, I think off, off, off the cuff, I mean, yes, it almost feels that way just because Manchester City keeps on winning the league. But then going to what you said in terms of the actual reality, if you go back through the results, go through the analysis, and, and you will have much more vivid memories of those derbies being a Manchester City fan, you'll know the true reality of it. So I'm wondering, I mean, what is it? Is it that basically that there's a lack of research? Because it didn't used to be that way with the NBC Sports team. Maybe they've cut back on the research team. Or is it just they're going on, on the fly, going kind of, and no one's calling them on it? Because mistakes like this, you would think that as soon as it happens, someone off mic during a commercial break will come back and say, hey, FYI, that's incorrect. What you're saying was incorrect. Here's the actual reality of it. And, and we're not getting that, Kartik. Yeah, so I, I, I agree on that. And um, I was actually, one of the pieces of analysis from this weekend, from the Derby, was obviously Mike Summerby was there and there was a, a real tribute uh, to Charlton before the Derby. And I, I think this was a chance for NBC to do some historical education about uh, the Derby itself and the rivalry between City and United, which... Uh, the high point of the rivalry was uh, when uh, when Bobby Charlton is on one side and Mike Summerby, the late uh, the recently departed Franny Lee uh, and uh, and Colin Bell, who passed away recently, also uh, or so, uh, relatively recently, last few years, uh, was on the other side, and that was the high point of the Manchester Derby when United and City were competing for titles. Maybe uh, there was a few years, uh, ten years ago, where they were both. Uh, fighting for titles, but then City pulled away. Um, real chance for education to talk about that stuff. Now, John Champion and Lee Dixon provided that uh, in the commentary booth. Uh, Lee Dixon grew up a Manchester City fan, so he knows the history of that derby, although, of course, he cheekily said, hey, I'm an Arsenal fan now, <laughs> so I want United to win because uh, I'm an Arsenal fan now and it's about the title race and United's not a factor. Um, but... They didn't provide that analysis in the studio, which I, I was kind of surprised by. And I, I don't know if that's as much, uh, Rebecca, although what you point out from the previous week is, is really valid. Uh, but again, the two Robbies didn't provide that. So uh, that disappointed me. Yeah, I think in many ways it seems to be like the commentators are filling in a lot of the kind of the black holes or, or the gaping holes of, of coverage. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this very topic in terms of NBC Sports's coverage of the Premier League more so the studio coverage and how disappointed we've been. And myself personally, I've been looking for other sources of information or other pre-match, other half-time, other post-match 
And we did get a lot of feedback from listeners. We'll get to in the listener mailbag in a little bit where they were pushing back on that. My take on all of this, Kartik, is that um, NBC Sports' coverage of the Premier League is probably the best Premier League coverage we've gotten in the United States. I don't think it's as good as it has been with NBC Sports. However, I will say that there's a lot better coverage else, elsewhere out there. And, and, that's, and that's the bar I'm comparing it to. I'm comparing it to Monday Night Football with Sky Sports and Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and Gary O'Neill coming in, into the studio and giving his analysis, breaking down how Wolves were able to beat Bournemouth and, and, and some of the things that we've seen there in terms of even just some of the way that they're showing tactics uh, in the studio using different forms which is pretty revolutionary, the things that they're doing, the discussion. And, the, and these are just clips we're seeing on social media. It's not that I have uh, access to Sky Sports. And when I see this other coverage, I'm like, wow, this is really good. Like, why isn't NBC Sports' coverage as good a, a, as this? And I think, so that, this is the opportunity, and this goes back to the, the episode we talked about in a couple of weeks ago. This is the opportunity for, for whether it's CBS Sports or ESPN or Fox or whoever, um, Fox, I don't think could actually even do it, but, but CBS Sports certainly could if they wanted to really raise the bar, really take it to the next level, like, they, like what they've, they've done with the Champions League coverage. And I think there's an opportunity here. And NBC Sports is doing okay, but it seems to be that they've gotten complacent. Now, on the, on the commentator side, I think they have some of the best commentators in the world. I mean, having Peter Drury, John Champion, Lee Dixon, I love in terms of his his analysis. So that side of this, the, the fence that is kind of uh, solid. But then you look at the studio, and those people are under contracts. Those are people who are under long term contracts. Uh, they've made a decision to rehire those. They probably feel maybe NBC Sports feels that why invest more money in the studio talents because you mean know, how much people how, how much are people actually paying attention to it? Do they know any better? And Rebecca is doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned, Kartik. I'm thinking that NBC Sports has taken the foot off the pedal, and it, there is an opportunity here for someone to step in. Now they've still got a few more years on, on the coverage, but I'm sure the Premier League is paying attention to this. Speaking of the Premier League, uh, you wrote a story recently on Substack on Beyond the Ninety, which is your subscription uh, email newsletter kind of basically criticizing the, pre- the Premier League and, and kind of announce, uh, some, some of the uh, predictability and, and kind of the, uh, the, the things that are not as good as they used to be. And then you double down on another particular league that you've been watching a lot of or paying a lot of attention to. I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about that. Uh, I think it's a really fascinating topic. Yeah, I know people are going to get angry because we're, or some people are going to get angry because this is interjecting the Wrexham topic back into the conversation. But um, Wrexham's promotion, Notts County coming back to League Two, Stockport County, who's been on hard times for the last decade, and it's a club I have some sentiment for, so we'll admit that there's some bias there. It's a club I've followed through the years and stopped following when they fell out of the Football League a decade ago because it became very difficult when they were in the National League to follow them. But I had followed them in in League One and League Two for years, um, among other stories, have made League Two really compelling. And it's not just me, Chris. I mean, in fact, um, I go on TalkSport regularly, as our, our listeners know. And um, the questions and 
from talk sport listeners and 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 uh, hosts have been more skewed towards League One and League Two as they feel the championship has become more predictable with the parachute payments and big clubs being relegated for a year or two and inevitably are going to go back into the Premier League and that the Premier League has been reduced to kind of a wealthy league of of, of London clubs and state-owned clubs plus Liverpool and. Um, and everybody else doesn't really matter. And uh, and as I said, the championship being reduced to um, clubs with parachute payments. It's something you understand well as a Swansea fan, that the clubs with the parachute payments have the built-in advantage. So I sense just like non-league and, and, and uh, um, some of the, the sentimental attachment people in England have to um, lower league football or non-league football, League Two is really having a resurgence in interest. Uh, and so really, I would say my observation is not an independent observation. I wrote it on Beyond the 90. Yes, I take credit for the for writing that. But it's an observation I've gotten from talk sport listeners and talk sport hosts and then kind of skewed my own viewing habits and preferences towards what they're viewing and what they're they're expressing sentiment for. And, and I have to tell you, welcome to Wrexham is a really big deal, I, even in Turkey. Uh, in Turkey, it's on Disney Plus, by the way. Uh, not on Hulu. They don't have Hulu there. But I, I was fielding questions about it, and, and people in Turkey are not talking about Aston Villa or or uh, what are other big clubs in the Premier League that aren't big big six clubs. Um, they're not talking about West Ham and and Aston Villa in uh, in in Istanbul, but they are talking about Wrexham. So uh, go figure that. So that that's important, uh, I think, to understanding some of the League Two phenomena. Notts County, a traditional club that a lot of people uh, have known for years, uh, in fact, have that historical connection with Juventus also. Uh, Notts County does. Uh, one quick point on NBC I want to make to follow up on what you said. Uh, Brentford beats Chelsea for the third successive year at the bridge. That is a local derby. Um, Going to Istanbul reminds me football is largely about community clubs and neighborhoods because Fenerbahce fans tend to live in the Fenerbahce neighborhood um, or in Galata. Uh, the uh, Galatasaray fans tend to live in, in, in that neighborhood. The Besiktas fans live in that neighborhood. So um, Brentford is a, is, is a neighborhood not far from Fulham, which is where Chelsea play, although there's a Chelsea neighborhood too. They actually play in Fulham. And that's a local derby where... Um, for 60-some-odd years, Chelsea were in a higher division than Brentford. And now, for the first time, the last three seasons, Brentford has been in the same division as Chelsea. First time since the, the 1940s. Um, and Brentford had beaten them at the bridge three straight years. That's a significant local story and has a lot more to do with sentiment and, and the passion of football than just saying, oh, you know, Pochettino doesn't have it right yet. And some of these Chelsea guys, they're not there yet. And in fact, the only time Chelsea has beaten Brentford since Brentford came up was a game where Brentford shelled them, absolutely dominated them, and Chelsea got the odd goal to win. So I, I was really kind of appalled that the analysis didn't focus on the passion that Brentford and their supporters, and you see what it means to their supporters every time they beat Chelsea. Right. That's that's such a clear uh, thing to talk about in the studio. Instead, the focus it was on, oh, yeah, maybe Pochettino doesn't have it right yet. This team still isn't there. And so th that bothered me, too. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if they're just they kind of try, trying to appeal to the crowd, even to the audience. And, yeah. and, and and I feel, too, that the audience is actually more educated you know what I mean in terms of but maybe they're trying to appeal to the soccer moms or, or, or some audience they think okay well if we talk about Brentford for the next two or three segments 
I mean, will people switch off or change the channel? Uh, but to me, they deserve to be met, discussed and mentioned. And, and going back to what you said too about the Premier League as far as the, the Beyond the 90 article kind of folk, which, which is really interesting. It, it talks about um, some of the disappointments you've gotten with the Premier League in terms of the predictability uh, and some of the, these big clubs in, in, in London and, and Liverpool uh, and Manchester kind of, kind of running the league and you mean, the state, state funding, et cetera, but also match atmospheres being disappointing, not what they used to be. The atmospheres, I agree with you completely. Um, I mean, it's everyone kind of singing the same songs, but it's not even that. You don't really get as much atmosphere as you do, say, in the Bundesliga um, or in Turkey or other, other leagues. But I think overall, though, um, yeah, no, I think I think it's something that that I mean, NBC Sports should be talking about Brentford, and, and to me, Brentford is is I mean, Brentford, Brighton, and Tottenham Hotspur. Those are the three biggest stories this season, and those are the stories I keep on coming back. And probably not in Forest, but those are the stories I keep on coming back to the Premier League for. Looking forward to watching those games, and I'm a neutral, right? When it comes to the Premier League, I'm, I mean, I could my team's not in the Premier League, but I will come back. And watch the games. If it is Brighton, I'll, I'll see what they're doing. Um, I mean, and and Brentford, of of course, um, and Spurs. I mean, those are the three standout stories where they're kind of like outliers in many ways in terms of the business model or or tactically what they're doing, which is which is different um, than a lot of the other clubs. But League Two, the League Two challenge, Kartik, the challenge with I see with League Two is just that. Like your interest, which is great. I mean, to me, it's not just Wrexham, but like you said too, Stockport or or Notts County, etc. The challenge is that if somebody want, does want to follow those teams or follow that league more closely, um, it's you mean ESPN Plus has maybe like what one or two games a month for yeah. League Two. Uh, you can listen to the radio broadcasts. You can read about it. You can go to. I went to the Wrexham Swindon game a few months ago. Um, you mean obviously having to tr- travel there? That's the challenge I see, and in, in, even in England too. There's probably not a lot of people that actually uh, are experts in League Two. Now they might be an expert in, say, Stockport County or or Notts County, but they're not following the actual entire league as a whole, staying on top of all of the different uh, stories and, and sackings and, and and this, that, and the other. Do you think there's an opportunity for the EFL in the next deal to try to raise the level? And and do you think there's a, there's actual is there a demand or is there is there a thirst or hunger uh, to watch more more lower league soccer in the US? That's a good question. I mean, I think the championship is a different matter because there are these big clubs that keep getting relegated, and, and people want to watch Leeds. They want to watch Leicester. Leicester will be a one-year thing. We know that. Uh, but Leeds, Southampton, who knows? I mean, they could be down there for, for several years. Um, so I think there is a thirst for that. But but my situation is kind of interesting. I've, I've been on Top Sport for many years as a championship expert. I'm brought on specifically to talk about the championship. I'm uh, retained by Top Sport specifically for that league. And as the years have gone on, there are 
fans who call in who say they want to hear about League Two. The championship is predictable. Oh, it's the same. You know, it's just the teams that get relegated. And then the other kind of big clubs, the Middlesbroughs and the and, and the Sunderlands or whoever has a, has some sort of history. It's it's, it's very difficult uh, to, to, to pop up. Now, Luton is an exception, right? And I think maybe Luton will change the way some people think. And, and they certainly have been uh, effective and hung in the Premier League. Um, but I, I don't, think, but I, I don't. It, I do think that there is somewhat of a thirst for for other things. I just don't know how widespread it is. Because talk sport listeners are a niche, right? That's not a that doesn't represent fandom in general in the UK. But a lot right. of them are kind of disgusted with the top two divisions. I mean, I, I made the article about the Premier League, but I have to tell you, Chris, uh, based on my observation, as much of it is about the Championship as it is about the Premier League. That the championship is getting really predictable, and clubs like your club, Swansea, who don't have the resources that the other clubs that get relegated do, are, are trapped in that division, and that's um, that, and and are effectively just trying to stay in that division. So I think that's part of the frustration. I, I don't know. I think with the championship, though, you got Ipswich Town. I mean, a team recently promoted, playing a really good brand of football. Um, really, a manager who's has a probably an opportunity to probably uh, coach in the Premier League uh, if he doesn't get, go up with with Ipswich. So I think I think every season there's always there's always something there's always like a new team that stands out of the crowd that really surprises everyone. And yeah, and, I mean and to me, to me, yeah, the championship in terms of Leicester, Leicester's a perfect perfect example, right? Uh, unfortunate to go get relegated now in the championship with with a squad. A lot of them are Premier League players. Or Premier League level players, well even, even the guys they sign, right? Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but even the guys they sign are Premier League level players. Yeah. Even the guys they sign after getting relegated, Harry Winks is a perfect example. So it, it's not that's that's the frustration of fans. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it, um, but and I, I kind of feel the way you do. Ips, which is a great story. Luton was a great story last season. The last two seasons. It sh- Maybe should have been promoted the year before, but the fans are the ones expressing the frustration to me that it's that their clubs are trapped and it's all very predictable and uh, oh every se- every season you say Blackburn they could come back up and they don't and and so uh, now Stoke is another club that seems trapped in the Championship so there's kind of a hunger for something different I don't know how long it'll last and quite quite honestly you know we can give all these other rationalizations Chris and this will make some listeners, again, very angry or insecure, but I think a lot of it is driven by Wrexham. I mean, I, I, I just think that that's, that's the driver of it, to be perfectly frank. And we look for other storylines or other reasons why we want to engage with League Two, but Wrexham is the driver. Yeah, they're certainly making a big difference. I, I'd say I'd also argue Notts County. Yeah. And, and that's because of Wrexham. That's because of, because of the documentary in terms of... Uh, you mean hyper focus on that team in particular? <laughs> That's a teaser for this week, <laughs> this right. for Wednesday. We, uh, right. Chris and I, by the way, for the listeners, we've are, we've we've seen we get advanced screenings, so we know what's coming on Wednesday. Uh, and it's <laughs> it's uh, just uh, don't don't want to give anything away. Well, actually, we're giving it away, so might as well. It, it's Wrexham Knots County. It's a Wrexham Knots County episode coming up this week for right. U.S. audiences. All right, so let's move on to list of mailbag. Uh, Kartik, uh, we've got a bunch of feedback because it's been a couple of weeks since we did the last one. Uh, first up is Ben. Ben wants to talk to us about CBS Sports. And he says, why has CBS Sports uh, Golazzo become horrible to watch? 
everyone is complaining about the takes on morning footy. It's boring to the core, mostly unwatchable. And you can see on the ratings, TV, YouTube, and Instagram, people are losing interest fast. CBS is losing the crowd with a terrible crew and cast. I think, um, like, just as I said before, too, about NBC Sports' coverage of the Premier League, and it's okay, it's pretty good. It's, it's probably the best it's been for, in the U.S. for coverage of the Premier League, but I feel in many ways that it can do better and that there is better coverage out there if you seek, seek it out. I think, in, to me personally, um, CBS's coverage on the CBS Sports Galasso Network in the mornings when I'm looking for news or what, when wanting to watch content, I'm not watching Morning Footy. I'm watching other programs because there's, a, there's better other programs out there that are giving me better quality analysis, um, which is why I'm not watching Morning Footy. But, uh, but I know there are a lot of people are. And I think a lot of people, whether it's that or attacking third or box to box or, I mean, throughout the day, I mean, it's free. It, uh, it's a lot of content, even 24-7, seven days a week. Um, what do you think, Kartik? Well, I, let me just add one, one more thing to this too. And, and I think, I, I just wonder in terms of CBS Sports, Galasso Network, what is the goal? Is it just advertising? Is it in terms of just putting content on that channel and just focusing on kind of these fast channels, kind of free ad-supported uh, television, which just now is like, what, hundreds of these channels uh, you can get through Pluto TV and, 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 and Google TV, et cetera. That's what it feels like. It's just, okay, let's do a soccer channel. Yes, maybe we'll get some Paramount Plus uh, subscriptions through this. But most of it is, you mean, content and, and, and games sometimes um, focused on trying to generate uh, ad-supported uh, income. What about you, Kartik? Have you been watching um, the Glass of Network much? No, I haven't. Uh, but I do think it's very difficult to do a daily show, right? It's very difficult to come up with topics uh, for a daily show uh, without uh, the usual array of callers. I mean, the reason talk sport works, the reason why uh, shows like uh, uh, World Soccer Daily in the past, uh, our friend Nick Eber hosted that, why uh, that worked was because of the callers, because of kind of the interaction. I, I think I think the CBS Golasso shows are tough because there just isn't enough topically to do it every day um but i think on top of that uh you have uh you have a lot of agendas being pushed on there when i've watched you know a lot of kind of u.s soccer centric agendas um and um, by the way i i just plug we're recording this on monday i'm going to be on with with our friend daniel forestine tonight uh on his show to talk about what we talked about on our last podcast which you broke you broke that story about apple and uh uh, the Messi documentary and not uh, not covering U.S. Open Cup and with Daniel being probably maybe the foremost Open Cup guy in the country really was offended by it. But that's not the kind of conversation you see on Morning Footy. It's kind of very agenda driven and um, but it's free. So I get my daily fill because I get uh, I subscribe to uh, Fabrizio Romano uh, Substack, which I pay for. But every morning I have every story in my inbox. Uh, by the time I wake up, right? He lives in Milan. Although when I was in Turkey, it was, you know, it was, it was as I was waking up, I was getting it. But um, he, he um, that kind of fills my need in the morning. Now, um, I try to, um, to kind of readjust, recalibrate myself to watching a Golasso network 
when it launched, and now eh, it's kind of in the background. So, but I do think it's tough, and I do think maybe the goal is is advertising and just hooking people for CBS's other soccer properties. Yeah, I think there's enough content to talk about on a daily basis. I I don't think that's the issue. I mean, I think it's one of those things that there's always things going on. Some days busier than others. Um, my personal reason for not watching the show is I don't give a lot of faith in the analysis. A lot of the analysts that they have, it's pretty weak. So so I'm going elsewhere to to get you know, better better analysis. For me personally, like for me on, in the mornings, I'm going to talk sport. And talk sport in the afternoon, I don't like at all in terms of the afternoon coverage. But their morning coverage with uh, Hawksby and, and Jacobs, um, oftentimes they have some really good interviews. And uh, But again, going back to what you said, Kartik, in terms of that, uh, listener interaction, having people call in or text or, or et cetera. Um, that's the part that really keeps the show going and keeps it interesting. And uh, with the morning footy show, they don't have that, right? It's just CBS Sports talking heads. It's pretty much the same people within the CBS Sports. They're not going outside of that that to get some other opinions, it seems. And also um, in terms of uh, they're not taking any kind of listener inputs in terms of uh, the show. So is it an American thing? Because the call in the, 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 the call in footy shows, which of course Fox had Fox football phone in, I, I, you, you can quibble about the execution of it. Uh, but it just doesn't, it seems like uh, Amer- American shows, American producers want these kind of clean shows where the producers or whoever is in charge uh, in the case of CBS, Ives Galartsev, uh, is in charge of, of the topics, right? Um, whereas in the UK, there seems to be a strong preference for call-in, uh, football phone-in, uh, what we used to get on, what we always have gotten on 606, what we get on TalkSport. And I think that that makes conversation and hosting easier. I don't think necessarily for Galasso Network, the hosting is very simple without the call-in. Uh, aspect and and actually Sirius XM has made it work uh, to a large extent, quite yeah. honestly, with the call-in. So let me not say it's a, a British thing. Now that I think about it, Sirius XM has executed it very well, and, and probably is more compelling and, and 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 a better listen. You you learn more from listening to Dunny and, and and Tony Miola and whoever on on Sirius XM than you do on um on CBS Golasso Network. So I, I think they need that. I think they need the call-in or, or email yeah. or text or whatever. Yeah, when they've done the pro rel uh, conversations, analysis, discussion, like c- kind of more topics with friction, right? Topics that that uh, is kind of two sides really going at it. Um, that I've enjoyed, but that that was uh, what months ago. The last time they did that, but yeah, no, it's just in terms of ha- not having any callers, not having any listener inputs, it makes it easier to control. Uh, easier to s- stick to, you mean, commercial breaks and all those things. Um, th- when you started talking about that too and saying, okay, well, maybe it's a European thing or maybe it's not a US thing, it, the first thing that popped in my mind was um, Soccer Morning, uh, the show with Jason Davis um, many years ago, which is a, kind of a, a morning show, and which to me was really kind of what Morning Footy is based on. is It's a complete ripoff of Soccer Morning. <laughs> Um, but Soccer Morning had listeners calling in, and that was the great thing about it. Not only did they have listeners calling in, asking questions, giving analysis, but you had a whole host of different thoughts and writers, journalists, et cetera, 
from um, from many different from many different places, given their inputs. But um, yeah, so Ben, good feedback there, good questions, uh, and, and and this show too, Kartik. If this show didn't have a listener mailbag, I don't think it'd be as good. I mean, to yeah. me, that's that's my favorite part of the show is is reading um, the feedback. Next up is Adolfo. Adolfo wants to talk to us about CBS versus NBC versus ESPN, etc. Uh, I just heard your podcast and want to chime in on your discussion of the poor NBC coverage of the Premier League. I really do disagree with your take on NBC's coverage. They do a tremendous job in presentation, and their analysis, in my estimation, is on point and paints an accurate picture of what we are seeing. Your points were all negative to NBC, CBS, but to no surprise, you you praised ESPN. I will say it once again, and uh, once again, what in God's name does ESPN do that literally has you guys in constant praise? I've tried to stomach their coverage and cannot. One thing that they have, which is brilliant, is Craig Burley and, to a lesser extent, Steve Nichols. Um, that's Steve Nichols. Uh, Shaka Heslop is a top analyst. Give me a break with that nonsense. Do not get me started on Alejandro Moreno. Last point will be last point is the financial situation Disney finds itself in. And trust me, it will only get worse. There won't be any money to purchase Premier League rights. Um, they will be lucky if they can still afford the NFL or college football. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And uh, was it just recently, was it last week that um, some of the uh, financials were released from the uh, the Disney company and uh, the, comp- the part of the company that's making the most am- amount of money for Disney is ESPN. Now, Kartik, um, I mean, Adolfo's take on this in terms of, you mean know, that we're being kind of soft on ESPN or what do we see with ESPN? Like to me, I mean, like even just with the listener mailbag, I mean, that, that's, that to me is one of the, the best parts of the daily ESPN FC show is kind of the, uh, the after, after show segments yeah. when they, they read out the comments from people and there's the interaction back and forth. Some of it's joking. Um, I like that ESPN does 
have a sense of humor that they don't take things too seriously. Uh, but then at the same time, too, when they want to dive deeper into analysis, they do a really good job at that. Um, obviously, I mean, ESPN is in a t- difficult situation where they don't have the Premier League. Um, they have La Liga. El Clasico this past weekend was a great game to watch. Uh, it didn't have all of the kind of um, basically kind of off the field pressure or off the field. Well, it has pressure, but off the field um Kind of just crazy Jose Mourinho kind of, uh, you mean, just the crazy stuff, which had nothing to do with soccer. It was just pure good football, good match. Uh, and then they had the Bundesliga, which I love, you mean, as well as other co- competitions too. So, so Karthik, in terms of Adolfo's points, what do you think about uh, what he had to say? I, I agree. And I actually made the point myself on a couple of shows that I think ESPN will not be able to bid for the Premier League. Uh, I think that they have a lot of uh, problems acquiring rights in the future. Uh, that That uh, is, and we're going to get to something about NBC uh, l- later in the mailbag. So, uh, we'll, and NBC's coverage. So we'll, uh, we'll hang on to that for that, uh, that piece of feedback. But in terms of um, their coverage, I think that they, they have a formulaic uh, method that that kind of works because of of, of Craig Burley uh, and Dan Thomas, right? And 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 the way they, they present themselves, and then that kind of feeds on to other people. I disagree with Adolfo's take on uh, Shaka Hislop. I think he's a very good analyst. Uh, I you know we can quibble about some of some of uh, these individuals. I mean, some people like certain uh, points of view, some people don't. Um, in terms of NBC, yeah, yeah, I think the production is brilliant. Uh, I love what they do from a uh, match commentary standpoint in acquiring Peter Drury and John Champion, um, John Champion, who who we interviewed last week. um, They've acquired two of the best voices in the English language to uh, call Premier League matches. I I think uh, it is a significant upgrade from Arlo White. And um, that has made NBC's coverage better than ever. So props Mm -hmm. to them for that. The production is crisp. they occasionally make mistakes on graphics, but so so does everybody else. Uh, they made a mistake on a on a Big Ten graphic during a Premier League game this past weekend, but that's something I noticed. I think a lot of people probably didn't notice it. Um, but in terms of their studio, we have spent well, however many minutes on this podcast dissecting the predictability of the analysis and kind of the st- stale nature of the analysis. And look, we're not alone, Chris. Uh, there are a lot of people who are maybe not casual Premier League fans. They're more educated Premier League fans, and maybe uh, uh, they skew towards being expats. So uh, take that for what it's worth. That complain to me very regularly about NBC, and particularly about Musto and Earth, and what they're not getting in the studio uh, from NBC, which they would get from Sky. And some of them are, are are now firing up their VPN and watching Sky. So they get Neville, Gary Neville, and they get Kara uh, and whoever else Sky has on on a given weekend or whoever TNT has on. Uh, TNT now having uh, the rights, BT, formerly BT. That's, um, that's something I'm hearing more and more of, quite honestly. Now, in defense of NBC, I think Higginbotham is quite good. I think Tim Howard has gotten a lot better in his four seasons. And uh, I love when they bring Stephen Warnock on. But um, there is still something very stale and predictable about the analysis. And Chris, uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so <laughs> turning this over to you. But I, if I'm not mistaken, you're watching their studio less less and less uh, than you yeah. than uh, ever now. 
Yeah, yeah. Less and less. Uh, I'm, I'm basically listening to BBC Radio Five Live or BBC World Service. Listen to the radio commentary, pretty much half time and post match. And just like with Bobby Charlton, um, when the mistakes that they were making about that, even I would tune in just for a few minutes just to see what they would be talking about, and then I hear the mistake and go, "Oh my gosh!" And then I tune in the following day and then <laughs> say the same thing again. So, um, so yeah, I'm seeking other places. The um, I think if we went down every a list of every broadcaster in the US that broadcasts soccer, including BN Sports, including uh, Univision, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Telemundo, there's there's always going to be positives. There's always going to be negatives. There's always going to be things that they can improve upon. And but a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Um, so you mean somebody might like. NBC Sports in terms of Rebecca and how the show is produced and kind of the connection with, with fans. We were talking about listener uh, feedback before, but NBC Sports does a really good job of uh, posting pictures of all these fans from around the United States wearing Premier League jerseys or uh, pictures of their, their, their baby, I mean, wearing Premier League clothes, et cetera, or their the favorite teams, et cetera. So it's a different feel. I mean, every, everyone is different. Um, my issue more so is when these mistakes are being made. I mean, and it keeps on repeating in terms of lack of, again, I mean, it, it, basically most people probably may not notice these mistakes, but when I do listen, listen to them and hear them, I mean, no one's perfect, but when I hear them again and again, I'm like, what's going on here? Like, like no one's calling them on it. Um, do they know what they're doing? Which, which I know they do for the most part, but these mistakes should not be happening, and they weren't happening before in, in previous years. All right, let's move on. Uh, Chris says, when it comes to, this is Chris uh, Guardino, when it comes to NBC's Premier League coverage, I'm, I'm largely in agreement with you guys that the coverage needs to improve, uh, especially when it comes to analysis and critical opinions. It's almost as if they're afraid to say anything critical about the league. This also raises an important issue that I see down the line with NBC's coverage of the Premier League, and that is NBC not simply not caring about the league because they see it as just another property. As a college football fan, in addition to soccer, I have noticed that NBC has put a lot of uh, effort in terms of analysis and critical opinions when it comes to their Big Ten coverage, way more than they currently do with the Premier League. With this in mind, my question to both of you is, do you see NBC Sports pulling out of its deal with the Premier League early so that they can air more Big Ten college football games, especially given the fact that the four big West Coast schools are joining that league next year? In contact before you jump in, I just want to say, yeah, there's no way that NBC Sports is going to pull out of its Premier League deal. If anything, they might move more games to, to Peacock. Um they they love the Premier League. It's been successful for them. It's been really what puts NBCSN on the map. It's no longer in business, but I mean, it's really put NBC Sports uh, as a sports organization when it comes to soccer on the map, big time. And um, but, Karthik, what, what do you think about uh, Chris's points about uh, the question about NBC Sports um, trying to air more Big Ten college football games? Um, on TV, perhaps. Yeah, I, I, I think um, it's possible that they would bump more and more matches to Peacock, but I do think uh, that um, that er, they, the the West Coast schools coming into the uh, uh, 
from the Pac-12 coming over into the Big Ten, that uh, those uh, time slots will still fit NBC. Will still fit NBC's opening. Maybe the, the obstacle really is Notre Dame still having Notre Dame and golf uh, might be uh, golf early in the Big Ten uh, college football season might be an obstacle. So I don't think it really affects the Premier League. Uh, the early uh, kickoff for the Big Ten, I believe, once um, CBS is done with the SEC, which is this season's last year, the SEC's on CBS, uh, will be a uh, will be split between Fox and. Um, and CBS and NBC will then still have that window for the Premier League. That's my understanding. That could change, but that's what I've been told from industry sources that um, th- that the noon kickoffs uh, in the Big Ten will be uh, either Fox or CBS, uh, and that leaves NBC open noon Eastern time. Leaves C- uh, NBC open to continue to show the Premier League match they show. Um, CBS not uh, ha- hasn't. Uh, been showing those match uh, games this year uh, because of the SEC contract. Uh, although I think they may have shown one or two uh, early Big Ten kickoffs. I'm not. I'm not positive on that. Uh, but so I don't think it really affects it. Now, what I do think could be a concern is resources, because uh, as you correctly point out, the Big Ten there's been a lot of emphasis from NBC on it, and, and uh, I, I'm quite frankly surprised by it. NBC has been out of the college football business outside of Notre Dame. Uh, since uh, the 1990s, right? They don't show bowl games anymore. They, they've just been out of it. Um, and college basketball, where they they were the big network when I was growing up. They, CBS showed the incident of tournament, but NBC actually had more regular season games. Uh, they don't show college basketball at all on the network. They haven't for about 30 years. So um, I wasn't sure what their commitment level would be and thought it was kind of an interesting thing that college sports was reverting to NBC. They put a lot into it. But remember, they put a lot into the Premier League when they first got the Premier League. They put a lot into the NHL when they first got the NHL. And then eventually these properties become, um, I don't want to say stale, although we've used that term a lot today, but they become, there's a normalcy to it. So it's possible that happens with the Big Ten also with NBC. So my concern would be resources, but uh, NBC has gone out and hired Peter Drury and John Champion, um, which we can't quibble with, right? We, we continue to be concerned about the studio and the presentation there and the things they talk about and the things they miss. But um, in terms of resources, they've gone out and gotten two of what? What would you say, Chris? Two of the three or four best uh, Premier League voices uh, I mean, uh, in, in the world in terms of the English language. They've, got, they've gotten maybe the two best um, yeah, in Drury and Champion. So... Um, they're still putting the resources there, but yeah, they don't, um, to your concern, Chris, uh, Chris G, uh, the contrasting Tate's in the studio, the, um, the criticisms of, uh, of things that, um, has, uh, in the, in the very little viewing I've seen of the big 10 and what people have told me has been far beyond what they do with the Premier League at the point, at this point. So that is something we'd like to see more of. It might come down to budget, though, Kartik, in terms of the studio analysis. So Rebecca, I'm sure, gets paid a pricely sum, a princely sum, which she deserves, right? She's I mean, one of the best uh, broadcasters, presenters in the business and in, in all of sports. Um, I mean, it's hard to think of too many people that are better than her. She's really qualified. But for the rest of the studio talent, maybe it's, I mean, in terms of resources, in terms of budget, um, that they've had to make cut cutbacks, and really, this is kind of the best that they can do with what they have. Um, obviously, 
I mean, they could bring in a Gary Neville. Well, maybe not Gary Neville, but they could bring in some big kind of uh, heavyweights, just as CBS Sports did with their Champions League coverage, right? They brought in all these, I mean, Thierry Henry, Roberto Martinez, Jamie Carragher, uh, Michael Richards, um, Freddie Longberg. You get down the list. There's some really big heavyweights they brought in. And there's actually probably a bunch more I can't even uh, think of right now. So maybe maybe they've just said, okay, hey, the studio coverage is what it is. We'll try to tweak it. We'll try to improve it. But really, people are coming to watch the matches. And when we're watching the matches, I mean, to me, I, I, it's great. I mean, production, I mean, it starts on time. There's no, you know, very, unless it's Peacock, there's not a lot of technical issues. But um, the commentators are the best in the world. So I'm, I'm happy as anything uh, to watch those games there. What I do find interesting is that there's less and less uh, complaints about Peacock, about games being exclusive to Peacock. And maybe a year ago, if it was the Manchester City against Manchester United uh, derby, you'd have a whole ton of complaints from people on on social media, like, ah, why is this on Peacock? Uh, If anything, I'm getting more criticism or or more kind of uh, feedback from people saying, like, why are these games on television? Like, why can't we have them all on on Peacock? Um, So that's a change. but. I mean, to me, Peacock's the way to go. They just need to kind of uh, fix some of the technical issues and, and, and improve upon it. But to me, that that uh, that path is, is the future. Um, following up on um, one more comment here, this is from Ritik, and this is actually really interesting. We were talking before about BBC Radio 5 Live and some of their coverage uh, and how I've kind of been seeking it for some of their um, Premier League, not even just Premier League, I mean, they're covering Bundesliga, La Liga, any soccer coverage, really. Um, Rittick says, I highly recommend listening to the Everton Nothing Will Be the Same podcast on BBC Sounds, even if you're not a Everton fan. It charts the chaos and turmoil at the club last season and features the perspectives, perspectives of the managers, players, club staff, and most importantly, the fans. Think of it as Sunderland Till I Die, but in audio form. Kartik, have you had a chance to listen to this, or have you heard any clips of this? No, but I, I, I'm anxious to. I mean, I think uh, uh, the, the situation around Everton is something that uh, other criticism of NBC has probably been undercover, considering the number of Everton fans in the United States. Um, so, yeah, I, I look forward to this, and, and uh, um, should, I should say, uh, in the last two weeks, Bill Kentride has passed away. Um, uh, rest in peace to him, but that's... Uh, that's another layer on this story as we go forward of kind of the chaos uh, behind the scenes at Everton. Yeah, I, I've heard uh, clips of this series on BBC Radio 5 Live. I have not had a chance to listen to it yet, but the clips I heard, I was like, wow, this is really good. Because a lot of it is kind of Sean Deitch, like kind of behind the scenes, kind of really kind of talking honestly and, and openly um, and the players too. So I think from what I've heard, it sounds really, really good. I just haven't had the time to listen to it. So um, so it's called Everton, Nothing Will Be The Same. And uh, it aired live on uh, BBC Radio 5, but now is on, in podcast form on, on BBC Sounds. Uh, Andy says, uh, this is really interesting, Kartik. I, I know we've got a lot of listener mailbag, but um, <laughs> this is really interesting. To me, this is the, the comment of the week. Uh, Andy says, just as an aside on the impact of Apple uh, taking Major League Soccer rights, I was in Richmond, Virginia 
on the night of the MLS Charlotte versus Inter Miami game with no other professional soccer games that night from any major league. I was at, I was at Penny Lane uh, Pub, a true soccer-based club, a uh, pub, sorry. Penny Lane did not show MLS games as they couldn't be bothered getting the Apple subscription. And then mm. went to Capital Ale House, a solid sports bar. They only showed sports that were on traditional cable TV. I'm sure this scenario is repeated across bars in the US uh, that would that would have shown MLS on TV in sports bars if the games were on cable. But bars are not going to get a device that, that can run on Apple TV, the app, and then get a subscription. And this was in Richmond, Virginia. And and yeah, no, this is a great example, Kartik. I mean, so many people we know from Premier League, right? Fans going on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings, going to the local pubs, making it their own and, and watching those games sometimes in, in tens, if not hundreds of fans. Uh, and you multiply that by across the United States. Uh, and MLS too, there would have been fans even in the past that would have gone to the local bar uh, uh, pubs and watched those games there. Um, there was a comment, I think this, actually, I think, I think we wrote about it on worldsoccertalk.com um, about a week ago from Alexi Lalas. And 99% of the things that Alexi Lalas says, I disagree with wholeheartedly, but he did say one thing, which was that um, he said really kind of the, the, the effect of MLS on Apple is, is having repercussions in terms of it's not having the reach that it used to have. Um, anything to add on to that, Kartik? No, I, I generally agree with that. I mean, I was heartened to see in the bazaars in Istanbul uh, messy shirts. Uh, I think some of them were knockoff shirts, but uh, Inter-Miami messy shirts on sale. But other than that, uh, uh, MLS is kind of invisible, right? I mean, I, I, it's... Uh, um, I was kind of stunned with the the playoffs. Now, now, uh, uh, tonight there are two matches. We're, we're taping this on Monday. Tonight there are two matches on uh, that are on uh, over the air on Fox. Uh, is it tonight? Yeah, tonight. That no, was no, last tomorrow. That was last, was last night. night. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd be interested to see the numbers from that. But the buzz is not there because of Apple. That's very clear to me. And I think the other issue is the new format, uh, which is. Uh, is hot garbage for for lack of a better term uh absolute garbage they're gonna have to go back and do this i mean they didn't announce the playoff format until after the season started this season and so i thought it was going to be something really creative and it ended up being this um yeah i i think there's no buzz about mls there's no talk about mls outside of the mls circle and um that's not good for soccer in this country now i know there are a lot of people uh, who are who are reformers who want pro rel who, who want MLS to just kind of wither on the vine? I'm a reformer. I want promotion and relegation. I want an open system. Uh, I want community clubs, neighborhood clubs, all that stuff. But I don't think it's good if MLS is existing in a vacuum. I don't think it's good for the sport and doing the things we may want to do uh, at, in other leagues and at the lower division level. And uh, I, I, outside of the messy thing, uh, this is the least buzz i've heard about mls in october and november since geez i don't know i mean even i think back even in in what we think of as the dark era of mls which was the period between the contraction of of, of uh the fort lauderdale team and the tampa bay team in 2001 
uh, and the signing of David Beckham in 2007. We think of 02 through 06 as kind of a dark period. I don't think there was this little buzz. I mean, I remember going into the playoffs in 2006. there Houston, San Jose had moved to Houston. Um, they were one of the favorites. They ended up winning MLS Cup. There was a lot of talk about it. ESPN was promoting the games, maybe not as aggressively as you'd hope, but they were. They would be college football games on the Saturday, and they'd be talking about the MLS game they were showing on Thursday, right? There would be an ad. There would be a read. There would be something. 2004, 2005, same thing. Uh, we don't have that anymore. I think being... Off the mainstream channels is a problem. Now, Chris, where we could be wrong in making this analysis is next year, Messi's in the league for the full season. Miami is really good. Apple uh, seizes on that buzz. Um, Mainstream sports outlets are forced to cover MLS even though they don't have the rights because of Messi and because of Inter-Miami and a bunch of people sign up for Apple TV. That is very possible. I think that is... That is in the in the equation potentially, but as far as this season, I agree with Alexi Wallace. The, the, there is no question this is the least buzz that I can remember, even compared to the post contraction pre Beckham period. It, it, it's it's kind of dead. Yeah, but but for next year though too, like like why base it on one player is going to have the well, that's true too. Right? Between, what like, if he gets hurt? Right. What if he gets hurt? What if they don't make make it or? I mean, to me, honestly, and I say this sincerely, but I can't think of one reason why to watch the MLS playoffs for the rest of the season. I, I just, I mean, there's, there's nothing, nothing there that I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to watch these games because of some team, maybe St. Louis, maybe, maybe, but I mean, there's, there's no reason. I mean, to me, you mean like we're in that, that, that time of the season or that time of the year where during the daytime, there's you mean Champions League games going on? There's uh, League Cup games going on. There's uh, DFB Pokal games going on. There's league games going on. Coppa Italia is back this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you mean we saw you mean the great Napoli against uh, Milan game on, on, <laughs> right. on Sunday yeah. afternoon. So by you know, I was watching that. So, so so think about that. That game was at three forty-five Eastern time. You're yeah. going to follow that game up by watching an MLS match. I, I know people get angry right. when, when we say things like this, but think about watching Napoli-Milan, which was an epic match, um, and, and there's nothing like Napoli in terms of, uh, I've already mentioned it as one of the elite football cities, right, up there with Istanbul and, and Valencia and Liverpool. Um, and then you're going to watch some sort of kind of best of three, you know, first where the score doesn't matter, right? You can win 6-0 and it doesn't matter. There's no aggregate goals. I mean, I just, I, you make a great point because I, now that you mentioned it, that was the last game we watched this weekend, or at least I watched, was yeah, Napoli me Milan. Why me would too. I watch MLS after that? Well, I think the other thing, though, too, is like when you think about it in terms of Major League Soccer this season, right? Which, I mean, the, the height was, well, June, June we knew that uh, Messi was coming. July is when, when he, he played the first game. July and August, I would say that MLS and, and Leagues Cup, Leagues Cup more so, Leagues Cup was really the most watched thing among soccer fans. You I mean, people were going crazy over it, uh, watching Messi's games, seeing all the goals. Um, and then September kind of tailored off a, lo- a little bit. You I mean, he was you I mean not playing as much. He's getting his injuries. And then October, we're in our, our end of October now. 
October, it's basically its season's yeah, over. Yeah, and I should mention yesterday also, for some reason, the U.S., um, and this is, again, some not being in charge of the U.S., the U.S. Uh, uh, scheduled a friendly, U.S. women, against Colombia, uh, which was on HBO Max at the same time, or Max, excuse me, on Max, uh, yep. at the same time as the MLS playoff game. So I think a lot of the American soccer audience went there, which is the same issue with when Messi came in July and August, it was great, the buzz, but it coincided with Women's World Cup, which you know held its own in terms of ratings on Fox. Yeah. Um, again, but, maybe because uh, this, this, this Apple thing, when things are being promoted on Apple, it's only going to people in the Apple ecosystem. Now, Chris, though, you're not in the Apple ecosystem the way I am, and I am bombarded with MLS stuff all the time from Apple. All the time, right? I want to go watch a movie. I want to watch Morning Show. Uh, I want to watch uh, For All Mankind, what, you know, these Apple original programs. I want to see the trailer for uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I, I have to go get through some gateway, which always involves MLS. And, hey, Messi is here. Messi is in America. Or here are the playoffs. Um, but I think that the people who watch a lot of Apple TV is limited. I'm one of them. Um, I have an Apple TV box on all my 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 TVs. Um, beyond that, there's a mainstream audience that isn't getting this these appeals at all. Um, my, but yeah, my, my point is is that July and August that's really kind of the, the sweet spot for point, yeah. Major League Soccer. That's the opportunity there to really be front and center. You mean the main? You mean before NFL season starts, before college football season starts. Um, that time of the year where even soccer fans like ourselves, hardcore soccer fans, are looking, getting ready for the new season, but European seasons haven't started yet quite yet, uh, or they're just getting started. That's the point that they should be having their finals at. That's the point where, in terms of the calendar, own the summer, right? Take the summer over. Yeah. This is going to be, yes, you're going to have World Cups and other things in the way sometimes, but but to end the season, what, in late November, early December, you mean we're in October and it's already, we've, we've you mean. It's never the, made I've sense to me. I mean, David, David Beckham's last game in MLS, the MLS Cup uh, in 2012, went up head to head with the SEC championship game on CBS, right? I, I mean, right. It, 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 you can't pick a worse time to have your finals than they do uh, uh, with this calendar. So uh, that's another reason I advocate calendar change. Although I've come around to the point of view that maybe my view that it should be the European calendar is off because you can own the summer. You can take that and, and, and get the mainstream American audience. So that means end in August instead of ending in May, as I have proposed, or ending in November or December, as you do now. Yeah, um, so, something's got to change. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, yeah. Let me just read through just a few more comments from the listeners because there's some really good ones I want to get to. Uh, Gospert uh, who's a new viewer, listener on YouTube, says, I really appreciate the work you guys do. Great niche. And I find your perspective from the US gives uh, gives you something unique. Rarely do we actually debate how we consume the game. And Gospert says, I'm based in London. Uh, KMBUM says about Welcome to Wrexham. I've been watching this and it is very, very educational. However, change the theme back to every day. This season's theme does not work. I agree with that, Kartik. I think oh, the totally, hundred percent. It's not the same. Not the same at all. Uh, and last but last, but but not least, um, about the Saudi Pro League. 
Portuguesa says, I watched the Saudi League to keep tabs on the national team players and the presentation and commentary are very good. Just wondering if you've seen any of it. Um, I have not. Um, keep meaning to, but again, there's, there's so much soccer on and it's usually on, on mid-afternoons, I think it is, or late yeah. afternoons. So, so, so the Saudi, Saudi Pro League, maybe this is a conversation for another show, but real briefly, uh, being in Istanbul for, for uh, 10 days, I um, the interactions I had with, with folks were that there's concern because I hadn't thought about it from their perspective. Um, the Turkish League is usually the first stop when guys leave big clubs in Europe, right? They go to Gala, they go to one of the three biggest Istanbul clubs. They're all, and they're not guys who are 35, right? They're guys who are 29 or 30. Right, mm-hmm. like even while I was there, um, Alex Oxley Chamberlain, uh, uh, you know, played play, play, played a big role in the Derby. You can go on and on. There, there, there are other guys that are um, that are 20, 28, 29, 30, Right, not thirty five like MLS thirty four, thirty five, uh, and the Saudi Pro League. Now that the Saudi Pro League is beginning to sign some younger guys, there is a fear that there may not be the flow of guys to those three Istanbul clubs that we've traditionally seen. And we've seen um, pretty regularly, right? Turkish clubs be outside of the big leagues, maybe be outside of the big leagues in Portugal. Let's add Portugal to that. Um, be the, the the toughest outs, right? In in Champions League and in, in Europa League. And in fact, uh, even um, even when I landed, I knew that I was trying to get away from, from football for 10 days, but uh, my... my, my uh, my driver said, uh, the guy who drove me to the hotel, the hotel's driver, wanted to talk about Fenerbahce in the conference league this year. So I knew I was going uh, to be, uh, uh, you know, that sucked back into football. But there's that concern. So the Saudi Pro League could hurt. Um, we've thought about it from an MLS perspective, Chris, but it could hurt the Turkish League. It could hurt the Dutch League, where a lot of guys go kind of right after big clubs. Uh, the Dutch league is hurting in general, and there's a lot of issues with the Dutch league. And it could hurt uh, one or two other leagues where guys go immediately after. But I think really the Turkish league would be the one, right? That's where, uh, because if you look at the roster of Galatasaray, right, right? So I get there and I'm like, okay, who actually plays for Galatasaray and Fenerbahce and Besiktas right now? And I recognize 90% of the guys on all three sides. Right? Yeah. They're all guys we know. They're all guys we've watched a lot of. They're all guys that were playing at a high level as recently as as, as two seasons ago. So, um, yeah, so that's another perspective on the Saudi league that I hadn't thought about until traveling to Turkey. They may be the league hurt the most, not MLS, right? There's been an obsession on comparing MLS to the Saudi league in the U.S., but it may actually be the Turkish league. But at the same time, I still think the Turkish league has an advantage because those teams are in Europe, right? Those teams are in Champions League. The Saudi teams are never going to be in Champions League. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like also, uh, Wilfried Zaha. I mean, there's a long list. Oh, yeah, Zaha played. Yeah, I saw him play there. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, guys go right from uh, their prime to Turkey. And then they go from Turkey to MLS or Saudi Arabia or wherever, historically. Right. All right, Karnsik, it's good to have you back. I really appreciate this. Um, We'll do this again next week uh, if you're available. And then... uh, so no more uh, trips to Turkey. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm most certainly available. <laughs> I'll be back next week. All right, listeners. So there's a bunch of different ways you can get in touch with us if you want to give us your feedback or your comments. We'd love to read those out. As you can tell, it's really the heart of this show. Uh, you can send this, uh, those through email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. 
you can go to the website, worldsoccertalk.com, click on podcasts in the main navigation bar, and then leave your comment in the most recent episode. Facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, youtube.com slash worldsoccertalk. On Twitter and X, we're at worldsoccertalk. And of course, you can leave a voicemail for us at 561-247-4625. Kartik, uh, where can listeners uh, read your uh, stories and, and, and uh, your, your team's uh, input uh, and their stories too uh, at Beyond the 90? Yeah, it's beyondthe90.substack.com. Uh, and it's heavy lower division coverage. And I think uh, uh, due to popular demand, probably going to have to write a little bit more about League Two now uh, in the UK or in England. So that's uh, that'll be fun. But anyway, uh, that's where you can fi- find us uh, beyond the 90.substack.com. And obviously you can find me also here at worldsoccertalk.com. All right, we've got a huge week of soccer from around the world. We've got Halloween mixed in there too. Uh, we've got the League Cup games and much, much more. So uh, what are you going to do, Kartik, and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.